learn how to turn it on. We had 2,000 people online praying, 72 decisions for Christ yesterday online. We had uh, 331 people download the prayer guide. We had um, uh, 17 hospitals. We were praying over the hospitals, contacted and prayed for us. We contacted 17 hospitals in San Diego, talked to administrators. I interviewed um, Christina Williams about what it's like being a nurse. I was on Kogo Radio. Tomorrow I'm going to be on CBN. Uh, this week I was on something else. And um, it's just the churches are coming together in San Diego. And God is pouring out His Spirit and He's doing great, great stuff. Monica, here's the testimony of favor. We're going to move on. But I want proof in the pudding. Monica, who's a member of our congregation, she said that somebody just sent her a card. She sent me a picture of the card with what somebody in the congregation who wrote to her. And uh, with five hundred, five one hundred dollar bills, and uh, she was so moved and so touched by the grace and the gift that someone here in the congregation gave to her, telling her that she's just a blessing. And she said the favor of God. And I said uh, yesterday, I, I emailed her. I said, "Can I use your testimony?" She said, "Sure." She said, "I said, was that five hundred dollars for something specific?" Um, because usually it is when somebody's moved on like that. And she said, I didn't think so at the time, but I ended up needing new tires in my car and it was $500. <laughs> Isn't that great? Isn't that great the way the body cares for each other and awesome. loves each other? And, uh, and then you can get the uh, bulletin by using the QR codes as you walk in. Just take a picture of it. It goes to our website. You can get the skinny on everything happening in our church. But the most important thing happening in our church is the move of the Spirit. So I want us to get into that. And we don't want these to just be teachings. We want these to be experiences. We want you to encounter the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to encounter you. We want you to get used to flowing in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to say this right out of the gate. One of my, one of the bees I have in my bonnet is any church that is not operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Because that is the design of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the, well designed to be, the most powerful organization on the planet. Why? How? Well, you can't compete. Natural wisdom, the wisest person on the planet with human wisdom, cannot compete with one moment of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give you a flash of wisdom into an enigma, into a complicated uh, problem that nobody can solve. The Holy Spirit, He can give you His wisdom and the solution in a, in a second. You think about, example, you think about Solomon, and he's crying out to the Lord like we are right now. Hunger moves heaven, by the way. That's the key. That's the key is hunger. Our self-sufficiency is our worst enemy. We need to understand that we are naked, blind, poor, and destitute spiritually without the Holy Spirit. You can't know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. And Solomon, he's a kid, he's a teenager, he's 20 years old, and he becomes king of Israel. And His dad was King David, and so Solomon's like, oh dang, I can't just be skipping around the palace and let my dad do all the work. I'm the king now. And he was desperate. Cries out to God all night. Goes to sleep. God appears to him in a dream. This is just one example. 
And he says, what do you want? He says, I need wisdom. And God said, okay, you're the wisest man on the planet. And he wakes up. And he was the wisest man on the planet permanently. Not with human wisdom. It was the Holy Spirit's wisdom. And he got a permanent, a permanent, that gift unlike the gifts we're going to look at today that are like flashes, they're spontaneous they come and they go in the moment he got a permanent gift of Holy Spirit wisdom and he is known even to this day as the wisest man other than Jesus who ever lived on the planet and it was given to him in a moment it's easy for heaven when it comes to the supernatural and healing for example, Luke the physician traveled with Paul and wrote the book of Acts. That's a journal. The book of Acts is a journal written by Luke about what he saw and experienced as he traveled with Paul. Luke is a physician. He understands the medical industry in his century. He understood what was capable, what they could do. And he was just recording people being risen from the dead. He's recording things that the medical industry could never ever produce you look at counseling when the Holy Spirit gives you insight in a counseling moment of something that happened in your childhood that you and the counselor will never uncover in hours and days and months and years of counseling because it's deep in your soul and the counselor doesn't know you don't even know the Holy Spirit knows and when you invite the Holy Spirit into a counseling session, so let's wait and see what the Holy Spirit has to say. Mark, you and I have done this for so many years, and it's, it's like just you wait 10 seconds, bam, an image comes up, a memory or something, or it's like, oh my God. And that was the root of that thing that's making you act weird as an adult. And He doesn't reveal it just to leave you in that condition. He also has the power to heal it, like right there and then. We need the Holy Spirit church. Now here's my point. The Holy Spirit, I mean, Jesus designed His church to operate in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're going to look at over the next four weeks. I was going to do them in one Sunday, and Mark Nelson and Mark Calpersmith, the two other two elders of our church, and I talked about this, and we decided, no, 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 let's not throw a, 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 a rock, let's not skip a rock across the lake on this deal. Let's do a deep dive into the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and let's get them operating and activated in the gathering place church. Amen? So every time we come together, whether it's on Sunday mornings or a connect group or two believers on the phone together or Zooming or texting or whatever, that you guys are expecting the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operating through you because that is who we are as part of our equipment that was given to us by Jesus. And some people are uncomfortable with this, but listen. The devil is operating in supernatural power as well. If you were to walk onto a, let's say you're on a um, job site and you're going to build homes and you don't have any tools. And two tool trucks pull up onto the job site. You know those big tool trucks that sell tools? And let's say one tool truck has a bunch of manual tools with hammers and, and screwdrivers and this other truck has a bunch of power tools. Which one are you going to gravitate toward? We just got a new roof put on our house. My teenagers did not enjoy a moment of it because they showed up at 7 a.m. every morning. And they are stomping up on the roof and they didn't have hammers. That's a 5,000 square foot home, so that's a lot of roof. And if those guys were up there with natural hammers, bam, 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 one nail. 
Next nail. Bam, bam. Oh, it bent. Got to pry that out. Can you imagine? No, what did they do? They had an air compressor and they had a nail gun. Yeah, five days of that. It was awesome. Man, they moved right down. Or what about Darrell Lee Hamilton? I went to their property. They, there's this awesome chingling fence that they put up around this big corral up there in Ramona way for their sheep, goats, your goats. Poor girl. How many holes did you dig? You don't even know. 50? 30? About, yeah, about 50. She did them, her and her two girls did them with shovels. The last couple holes, I think Josh shows up with an auger. Late to the party, right? You guys know what an auger is? Okay, an auger is you hold hand on the handles and then you crank it up. And it's got these blades on the bottom, right? We did it at my house as well. And you all that came up and helped us plant 240 plants. We had to dig 240 holes. We did it in the fall where the ground was literally like concrete. You get a shovel like that. It's like the shovel breaks. You're like, what the heck? So we got an auger, my neighbor's auger. We broke it because the ground was, it was like concrete. So I went down to the equipment store and I bought a big 12 inch bit auger, man. We had Josh, right, on that side, Amora was on it, I was on it, there's some of the others, and we were on this thing, and this thing, <laughs> I mean, we dug, those, oh my, it would dig through that car. Some of you have problems in your life that natural means are is not going to fix. You can hit it, and you can hit it, and you can hit it, and you can hit it with medicine, you can hit it with counseling, you can hit it with financial advising, you can hit it and hit it and hit it, you can hit that the blockade in your marriage you can't get through, but if you and I will operate with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like trading in a shovel for an auger, a hammer for an air gun. That's how the church is supposed to be operating. And as we're going to see, every single one of you who have given your life to Jesus and have been baptized in the Holy Spirit have been given one or more of these supernatural gifts that we're going to read about. So let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 just as a quick overview and then we're going to back it up. I'm going to teach, if I get to any of the gifts today, because I'm, I need to communicate some of these preliminary things so that we understand that this is ours. And we should be expecting these things to be operating all the time among us. I'm going to spend the next two weeks doing the first five gifts. Mark's going to teach the following two weeks doing the last four gifts. But I don't want this just to be information. I want you to be expecting God to use you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. You're not going to see them up on the screens today. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I do not want you... Are they, Chris? Oh, look at you. You see, I'm operating in natural means, and you have decided to operate in supernatural means. Look at you go. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... And sistering. I do not want you to be ignorant. Turn to your neighbor and say, Don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. 
Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in a minute. There are diversities of gifts, but everybody say the same Spirit. Spirit. Diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. Diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, say manifestation. Not the information, the manifestation. To manifest means clear evidence. There it is. I see it. I smell it. I taste it. I feel it. I experience it. That's a manifestation. That's not just information. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Can you see it? To who? Each one. Will you raise your hand? Just go ahead and raise your hand straight up. Everybody. Say, that's me. Uh Uh-huh. You better buy into this. The person next to you is going to be getting all the experiences. And the gift that's in you is going to lay dormant. And we need it. Whatever you have, we need it. God put you in this body for a divine purpose. And part of that purpose is to express the gift He's given to you so that we can be strengthened. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. What's the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit? To strengthen the church and to save the world. To strengthen the church and to save the world. For one, to one is given, now watch, here go the nine gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Those are the nine gifts we're going to cover. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So here we go. So what does he mean, don't be ignorant? I want to look at three things before we actually dive into these gifts. I may or may not get to the first two gifts today. But he says, don't be ignorant. What is he talking about? To the Corinthian church, he wasn't saying, be aware that there are spiritual gifts. He was saying to them, you all have already operated in spiritual gifts, but it was in the dark side. They were given to the dark side. They were already given to speaking in tongues and operating in the supernatural, but it was through the demonic. So when the gifts of the spirit started operating in the Corinthian church, they were starting to get nervous. That's why Paul says, don't be ignorant. You were led off to these dumb idols, meaning you guys were involved in supernatural dynamic activity before, but it was a completely different source. That's why he says in verse 3, don't be mistaken, nobody is going to curse Jesus by the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were afraid that if I start speaking in other tongues and I start manifesting this way, that I'm going to say something um, dishonoring toward Jesus. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. These gifts are from a completely different spiritual source. Now, that was what he needed to explain to that culture at that time. And our culture, don't be ignorant means, don't think this doesn't exist. Because in the Western culture, we are so given to the material world 
that we think people who operate in the supernatural are weird or demonic. But you go on a missions trip, you go to India, you go to Africa, you go to these other places. And if you and I show up and we try to tell them that the spirit realm is not real, they will call you the ignorant one. You see, we are so conditioned to thinking that the natural world is the only real world. Not realizing that the spirit realm was here before the natural world was even created and it's going to be here after the ceases to exist the spirit realm is more real than the natural realm and the spirit realm the Holy Spirit has come upon his church so that we can operate in it and take over take over the demonic that's why young people growing up in church are bored stiff why they never see anything they don't experience anything supernatural. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of people. Meaning we know there's more than this. We know there's more. And deep inside we know there's more. And when the church is saying, no, 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 no. Don't operate in the supernatural because it's scary. Oh no, that stopped a long time ago. Well, Satan didn't stop a long time ago. He's still possessing people. He's still afflicting people. He's still getting people to kill themselves, commit suicide. He's still giving spirits of depression and all sorts of demonic activity. And the church is saying, yeah, well, we're using hammers while Satan's over there using an air gun. I'm saying, no, 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 no. There's one pastor, Jerry Savelle, he went to Africa and he walked into the witch doctor's tent. And the witch doctor said, when you walk in, the spirits that work with me walk out. That's what I'm talking about. It's not like there's the power of darkness and the power of, of Jesus and they're equal. No way. Jesus created Lucifer. And Lucifer fell and his name is Satan. And a third of the angels that tried to rebel against God fell with him. And those are what are demons. They work with mediums and spiritists, and you get into Ouija boards, and you get into all that kind of stuff, and, and fortune-telling, and stargazing, and all that demonic stuff. Absolutely, demons will, will, will accommodate you if you tap into that. And that's what people do. Um, fortune-telling is a multi-billion dollar industry because we want to know what the future holds. But Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. But if we are not training our young people and all people that are in the body of Christ about these supernatural um, weapons in our arsenal, they're going to go to other sources to find supernatural help. So God forbid that it ever be the reputation of the Gathering Place Church. We don't, I don't have influence over all the other churches in San Diego, but I've got a little bit of influence on this one. But what I need is for you to hunger after it, because I can't make you want it either. You've got to be open and say, Holy Spirit, come on. <laughs> come on. I am not sitting on the bench for this. <laughs> Amen? If you say amen real loud, I'll move on. <laughs> the purpose of them is for the strengthening and the saving of the world and the practice of them. I'm going to read the practice of them. And then we're going to get into one of them, I think. What time is it? Where am I at? It's 11 o'clock. We've got a little bit of time. Because we want to... 
When I'm done with this, we want everybody to stand and we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to begin operating. We're going to see what He does. First Corinthians, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church not only about not being ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what they are for, but then how to operate in them in a public worship service. So he does a whole chapter on that. And we've covered that as elders. We've, we've taught on it historically. But if you want to be refreshed on it, you can go to our website. The bottom of every page is a link called Resources. You open that up and the first article is nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. We define the nine gifts right there for you. And we also talk about how we operate in them in a public worship service. And Paul says it right here. Because some people, when they, you know, this is just the way some people do it. Um, I don't think it's biblical, but you know, uh, it's not my church. Some people, they have environments where it's just chaos and visitors walk in and everybody isn't speaking in tongues and visitors walk in and say, this is just weird. And Paul says, that's exactly what's going to happen. So don't do that because the gifts of the spirit are to benefit people, not to turn people off. We're not to repel people or to empower them, save them, heal them, deliver them. That's what the gifts are for. And so Paul's talking about this. That's what the Corinthian church was doing. And so Paul says this at the end of chapter 14, starting in verse uh, <laughs> verse um, 37. Paul, he just, drops, he just drops the mic on this one. 37 through 40, 1 Corinthians 14. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. <laughs> you hear his attitude here, Mark? He's like, okay, I've explained all this to you for three chapters. Now let me just tell you something. What I've just said to you is the way God wants it done. And if you think you're spiritual, then you'll, then you'll agree with me. And then he goes on. But if anyone is ignorant, let him stay ignorant. <laughs> oh my. To be an apostle. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly. That means to be eagerly zealous for in hot pursuit of. And I'm talking to every single one of you now. Look, I can't heat this church up by myself. Every one of us have to earnestly desire, eagerly pursue, be in hot pursuit of uh, spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Watch this last verse. Let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done, but let them be done decently and in order. And that is where the wisdom of leadership comes in. Over the years, we've had people in the congregation as the Spirit starts to move, and they say, oh, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Oh, you know, we know what God was going to do next. And my question is, why would the Lord be talking to you about that? I mean, He gives one of the gifts He gives to bodies are, is leadership, and the gift He gives to leadership is wisdom, which is the application of things. And so intercessors and people in the body can get uh, be moved on by the Holy Spirit. You may have a prophecy, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a gift of faith, something about ready to activate. But guess what? The Bible says that the uh, spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, meaning the gift that's in you, you can control it. It's not just going to all of a sudden burst out and make you do you know, uncontrollable things. That's not God. He wouldn't do that. The Holy Spirit will move on you and you go, like, ooh, I got something. And so what you do is you slip up to Mark Nelson or Mark Halpersmith, one of the elders, and as I'm preaching or whatever, you say, hey, you know what, I think I got something from the Lord. And then they say, well, what, you, what is it? 
and they can they can filter that and they'll say okay let's wait until it's the right time that's called administration which is right in the gifts of the Holy Spirit of the Apostle the prophet gifts of healings gifts of administrations it's right there you got to you got to run things systematically for the church to be built up you don't just do things in chaos and call it the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit God is in the same chapter says God is not the God of confusion but the God of peace and so that's where the gifts of leadership comes in can I hear another hearty amen to that please all right, because that's how you quench the Holy Spirit, by the way, is uh, by doing things out of order. You'll quench the Holy Spirit. Some will say, well, you quench the Holy Spirit by structuring things. Well, you can. You can certainly structure the Holy Spirit out of the church. We're not going to do that. But you can also quench the Holy Spirit by everybody acting like a bunch of monkeys at the zoo. All right. So, are we ready to dive into one of the gifts? Is it good? Is that enough introduction there? Set in the ground, set in the table. All right, let's eat. The word of wisdom, first one. The one is given a word of wisdom. I touched on this briefly. The word of wisdom is a spontaneous word of wisdom in the moment that you need because you can't figure out what the heck to do. Anybody ever been there before? I just don't know what the heck to do. Anybody else? I got two people that are living on the planet that don't know what to do sometimes and sometimes most of the time. The word of wisdom is divine insight on any given situation and what to do about it. Beyond all human wisdom. Uh, an example is uh, Jesus. One great example of uh, word of wisdom is when Jesus comes out. Anybody ever been so pressed with human need around you? Your kids, your spouse, at work. Pressed with such human need. And you just don't have the bandwidth. And you don't know how to solve the problem. And there's pressure on you. The nurse raises her hand. Yes. You need a gift of wisdom in that moment. Jesus comes walking out from praying all night with God, the Father. And there is a mass of humanity in front of him. The whole town came out. And they said they brought out all the lame and the sick. And there's Jesus facing this, this massive humanity was suffering. And he is Jesus. He could heal everybody right now. But he had just been there the day before. And he ministered all the way to the evening. And so, hey, you know what? Jesus is in town. So the next morning, they all come out again. And his disciples said to Jesus, where have you been? Everybody's been looking for you. And Jesus says, looked out over the crowd and said, I must preach the gospel in other towns also. And turns around and walks away. <laughs> what could you imagine being in that crowd can you imagine how offended you would be if you brought your sick mother or husband or child and there's jesus and he looks at you and turns around and walks away and leaves you in that condition jesus got wisdom from the father about what the father wanted him to do in that moment Words of wisdom. I remember one time, Mark and I will be giving you examples of our own life because it's real. And, and, and many of them are ministry related because that's our context. But we want you to have your own stories in your context. So please apply it to yourself. I remember, Mark, one time I was thinking about this word of wisdom. I was thinking, when has a word of wisdom operated? And immediately the first example came up. And uh, this particular person is not in our body anymore, so I'm not talking about you. 
I was in a staff meeting and uh, we're all sitting around this uh, conference table and I said, I feel like the Lord for this year wants us to teach on how to hear the voice of God. And I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. As this begins to happen in the body, there are going to be people that think that we are not hearing from God, but they are. There's going to be a conflict. And, uh, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about people thinking the leadership doesn't know what they're doing and they're not hearing from God, but I am about the direction of this church that I'm not the leader of. And so I'm sitting at the table and there's an intercessory prayer meeting in the next room that I'm supposed to be leading. But this meeting I'm in right now is so important that we've got to hash this out before we go out and we set sail and we, we steer the ship and set the rudder for the church for the year. And so... Um, I told Dirk, uh, who was on my staff, I said, just go tell them uh, to go ahead and run the meeting without me. I'll be there when I can get there. And so I'm talking to my team. And this church member comes up to the door of the meeting room we are in. There was a window, and he's knocking, and he's looking in. Now, normally, with my pastoral heart, I would give attention to him. He obviously has a need. But in me, the Holy Spirit said, do not, do not uh, address him. I'm like, dang, that's not going to go over well. (laughs) And in front of your staff, it also looks unkind. And so I just kept talking and he kept knocking. Finally, I said to one of my staff members, why don't you see what he wants? And he goes and asks him and the member said, you know, Pastor John really should be in this meeting. And so the person came in, my staff member said, you know, he says that you really should be in that meeting in there. I said, all right, just tell him I'm not going to be there. I'll, I'll be there when I can get there and tell him to go ahead and go and pray. So... He told him, and we closed the door, got back to meet it, and the dude just stood there and stared at me through the window. And uh, he knocked, and I just wouldn't pay attention to it, because the Holy Spirit was telling me what not to do and what to do in that moment. It was completely contrary to what I normally would have done. This is what I'm talking about. So, after the meeting, uh, we were done, I went in and I did some prayer with them, and we came, and then I said to him, I said, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's talk after the meeting. And so, me and this gentleman, and I invited Mark into the meeting uh, for accountability for what I might say or what the other guy might say or I don't want this thing to go negative. And so now the three of us are sitting around a table and he's telling me what he thinks I should have been doing in the moment. And I knew that the Holy Spirit had gave me wisdom on what to do in that moment. And he wasn't picking up on it. He was looking at what he thought I should have been doing. And he was right if the Holy Spirit had not given me a different thing to do. And we were going on and it wasn't getting anywhere and it was contentious. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said this to me. This was the test of the fear of man for you. If you're going to lead this church forward, you've got to listen to me and do what I say, not what others want you to do. Now, of course, we're not talking about things that are unbiblical, immoral, illegal, illicit, none of that kind of foolishness. We're just talking about the direction of the Lord. And... As he said that to me, I thought, oh, great, what do I do now? Because I'm not going to give this guy what he wants. And he's not going to quit. And then Mark stopped the meeting. Mark said, the Lord just spoke to me. All right, we'll, we'll continue this another time. And so Mark, you know, excused the brother. And then Mark turned to me and said, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is the test of the fear of man for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Air gun. God will put you, or you'll be in scenarios like that, where it looks like the normal thing to do. 
And the Holy Spirit is going to give you a word of wisdom in the moment. You've got to follow it. I'm going to stay, I'm going to give you, uh, hmm. I got so many more stories on this gift, but I think you get the point. Jesus operated the gift of wisdom all the time. He was brought out into public and they would actually come at him with the sharpest guys in the room I'd say gals but that culture was guys and they would come purposely to try to trap Jesus with scriptural enigmas with they would make up scenarios and try to trap him in the moment you read it and it says that Jesus' answers were so full of wisdom that they stopped asking him questions in public <laughs> They stop trying to trap him. They're, they are running into the wisdom of God. They're trying to trick God. And when the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge or the gifts of prophecy are operating through you, natural wisdom can't compete. Another biblical example. They bring Stephen out to stone him to death. Stephen was just a regular church member. And they said, hey, we need people to pass out bread to widows because they're not getting food distribution. Stephen raises his hand, I'll serve. And the apostles laid hands on him. And Steve went from having a servant's heart to becoming, uh, uh, to becoming um, filled with the Holy Spirit and operating in power. And he stood up and he was preaching to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of the day. And they were so angry at, at Stephen because they said his face shone like an angel and they could not contend with the wisdom with which he spoke. So here you have these guys who are trained spiritual leaders. They've gone to seminary. They know the Bible frontwards and backwards. They're leaders of the, relig of the, the, the most powerful religious organization on the planet. It's the headquarters of that religious organization. And here comes this nobody who just is known for passing out bread to old ladies. You know, the food distribution. And the Spirit of God comes on him spontaneously like that. And they start, they start persecuting Stephen. And Stephen stands up full of the Holy Spirit. And it says his face shone like an angel. And he starts preaching to these people. And it says they could not resist the wisdom with which he spoke. Now, unfortunately, it made him so angry that they stoned him to death. He was the first martyr in the New Testament. But the wisdom of God was so far superior to anything the natural mind could come up with that it made him angry. Some of you run into situations where you just don't know what to do. There's two things that can happen. One, you can ask the Lord for a gift of wisdom. And He can just drop it on you. Oof. I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you one more. And I guess I'm just going to do this one gift today. But 
The idea is to just break ourselves open, open ourselves up to all the gifts. As we talk about them, we just want to stir up the spirit in you, your hunger and your desire for these things. These are yours. These belong to you. I remember um, a couple in our church who got three or four or five other people to kind of band together. And again, it was persecuting the leadership of the church. And they were, they won, they had an agenda, but I didn't, I couldn't pick up on it. And I was trying to accommodate them. We had meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. And, and they were telling us what we weren't doing right and the culture of the church. And, and we're trying to accommodate and we're trying to learn. We're trying to be a humble leadership. And after about six months of this, I remember sitting at a round table with some other senior pastors in the region, about five or six of them. And, and one of the pastors, he was the pastor of uh, RB Prez at the time. And uh, he said, John, you have an eye twitch I've never seen before. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in the meeting going like this, right? I said, man, I am so stressed out. I said, you know, there's a handful of folks in our church that have just worn me to a nub. I said, I don't think I stewarded this well. And I said, um, how would you guys handle this situation? And so I told them what I was going through. And then I got out a pad and paper and they well, just went around the table and they started giving wisdom. I started writing it down. That was all good. It was natural wisdom. It was good stuff. I've lived on it ever since. But one of the things they said was you need to take an immediate two-week break because you're about to have a meltdown. And then you need to take another three-month break next year. And so I immediately took a two-week break. And I remember sitting in my house in Escondido out in the courtyard. And I'm sitting in the chair. And I'm just staring down at the ground. And I'm just kind of numb. And I'm completely exhausted. And I was asking the Lord, please just speak to me. I need wisdom. I don't know why I'm in this condition. I don't know what's going on. And he immediately spoke an Old Testament Old Testament address to me. What that means is he gave me the address of a scripture in the Bible. I didn't know what the scripture was. And so I looked it up. Oh, oh my gosh. See, that was a word of wisdom that was given to me by the Holy Spirit using scripture. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Right? You got it? It's like an arrow in your quiver. Right? You hit the enemy right in the heart. But you don't know what's going on, so you don't know what arrow to shoot. And so what he said was this. That passage he gave to me was about Jehu. Jehu is bad to the bone, mean motor scooter, Old Testament. Captain of the army, man. Woo! Elijah ran from Jezebel. If you know the story, Jezebel, this controlling spirit that wanted to control the prophet, injected a spirit of fear into him. He allowed the spirit of fear. He had just called fire down from a mountain. It was just one of the most incredible stories of the Bible. But then Jezebel, this controlling spirit, intimidated him. He let that spirit of intimidation go into him, drove him into the desert. He wanted to commit suicide. He wanted to quit his ministry. He was in bad shape. And the Lord spoke to him, just whispered, one whisper shook him to his core and reinstated him in ministry. I'm sitting there in my, in my courtyard and the Lord spoke that Old Testament verse to me and I looked it up and it was Jehu was the next guy that came on the scene and he came up against Jezebel and then she didn't use intimidation, she used flattery, put makeup on her face, looked all pretty, looked out the castle window and she's trying to seduce him. She used intimidation and fear on this guy. She's using seduction on this guy. But Jehu would have nothing of it. These eunuchs 
came out and looked out the window as well. And this man of God said, who's going to throw her down? And these eunuchs who had lost their manhood to this controlling spirit manifesting through this woman Jezebel, they saw a real man. They saw a man of God. Their manhood was restored in that second because Jehu was a man of God and fearless. And they saw him. They saw her. They picked her up and threw her out of the window. Bam! Jezebel's gone. Why do I tell you that story? The Lord spoke to me through that and said, you're dealing with Jezebel. That was a word of wisdom. You're not dealing with just a strong personality. I love strong personalities. I want to be surrounded by them, but I don't want to be surrounded by Jezebels. They're a demonic spirit that tries to control leadership. And so immediately when I got that word of wisdom, momentary word of wisdom, all my energy came back. My clarity came back. It was amazing. I immediately called Mark and Gary Mancini, who was an elder at the time. I said, Mark, Gary, I know what this is and I know exactly what I want to do. And they said, what? I told them what it was. They said, oh yeah, that's the Lord. That was it. I said, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? He said, hit it head on. I called the person up. I said, yo, let's meet. And they said, well, I don't want to meet. I just want to meet with you alone. I said, oh no, that ain't happening. <laughs> You're meeting with the eldership of the church. No, my beef is with you. I want to meet with you alone. I said, no. And I said, and secondly, you can't do any more ministry in our church until you meet with the eldership of the church. And Mark, God gave Mark a, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, and he gave him a scripture where in the book of Jeremiah, if you remember this, it says that the elders are the potters of the house. And you come to the potter and that, they, that the elders help, help you on the potter's wheel. It helps you become the Christ-like person that Jesus is trying to make you into. And that was the, the point was redemption, not just rebuke. The point was this person was trapped by a spirit. They had their own personal issues. And so we want to pastor them. But we couldn't do it through natural wisdom. We needed the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We needed a word of wisdom. Or what the heck is going on here? And what are we supposed to do moving forward? And so she said, I will not. And I said, well, then you won't do any ministry in our church until you come meet with the eldership. We really need to work through this. The next Sunday, I saw her and her husband in church. And the next Sunday, they weren't there. And I've never seen them since. That was sad. That's one of the saddest parts of leading a church is when you see God trying to do something in an individual and they are not pliable, teachable, humble, and they, they, you, you can't help them move forward in their spiritual journey. That's our whole job. That's why we're here is to help you guys move forward in your spiritual journey. But the word of wisdom was what I needed in that moment to be able to lead this church. You guys need words of wisdom. You need the gift of wisdom. Okay. That's enough teaching for today. We want some activation. Now, as I'm teaching on the Word of Wisdom, uh, you're going to get, this week, you're going to have encounters. As we teach on this, the Holy Spirit's going to start moving and stirring. You're going to be asking for it. God, come, use me in this way. I need it. You're going to start expecting it because now you know it's yours. The Holy Spirit wants to move to you. But it might not be the Word of Wisdom. As, as you know, the Apostle Peter was preaching, he didn't even get done with his sermon. And the Spirit of God, poof, just dumped on the Gentiles. They all spoke in tongues and prophesied. Okay, so we're just, I'm teaching on the word of wisdom, but you might get a word of knowledge. You might get a gift of healing. We need gifts of healings in this church. Come on. Too much suffering, too much sickness. We need gifts of healings. Man, I've been calling out for that one. We need workings of miracles like Mark and Mike Nelson. You guys saw legs grow out last year. That, that, was a, that was a working of miracles. It's not like these things aren't happening. We just need more. So let's all stand. Mark, Mark, you guys want to come and join me?
just going to open this up for the elders to come join me. And let's, let's just give a few minutes to the Holy Spirit. See what He might want to do. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place. I was asking, um, turn this up a bit, Jerry. As John was just finishing, I was asking the Lord what He wants to do now. And I think we're going, just going to take it backwards for a minute to something He said earlier in the message. Please. He said, your self-sufficiency is... I'm going to paraphrase. Your self-sufficiency is not your best friend. Your self-sufficiency is your greatest enemy. We receive from God in proportion to our humility. And our human need. And our Well, you see, this is, this is how humility works. Yeah. Humility is recognizing your human need. And desperation. Yeah. Humility is, is coming to the place where you say... I can't do this. I mean, I can fake this, guys. I can be religious. Everybody can come to church and be religious. You can put on a front. You can look good to everybody else. But you know inside, you are going through the motions. And inside, it isn't working. And maybe in your marriage, it isn't working. Or maybe in your relationships, it isn't working. The biggest we had an encounter with someone I was thinking of it while you were talking and when we finally got the elders together and we sat with this person I said you're the most spiritually gifted person I've ever worked with I said your pastoral giftings your prophetic giftings are absolutely beyond compare but you have a serious problem which is sabotaging your life you're proud. You're proud of all your abilities. You're not correctable. And you go into a violent rage when anybody... He had people leave his group because he would just end up yelling and screaming at them because they weren't doing what he told them to do. I mean, you're talking ungodly leadership. Hmm. The issue was pride, you see. Pride is not recognizing your human need. And if we are going to get more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's going to be because we come to the place where we say, I can go on with the front and it's great and everybody's buying the picture, but I know it's not enough and I know it isn't working. And then you say, God, I need your help. I do want more of you in my life. I mean, we all say that. We all say, yeah, yeah, I want more of God in my life. Do we act like we want more of God in our lives? Do we hunger like we want more of God in our life? Do we admit where our area of need is? You're only going to get more because you want more. You're only going to want more because you realize how little you presently have. That's the key to the whole deal. So, look, I'm just thinking we start this thing with just a a little bit of stillness before the Lord. And we look inside and we say, where's my weakness and what do I really want? And this isn't about repenting. It's not about, oh, I'm in sin. It's not about that. 
It's merely about real self-awareness. What am I lacking right now that I need to get closer to God and, and, and be the person I wish I was? What do I need? What don't I have? And then expressing from your heart in that moment, this is really God, honest God. This is what I'm hungry for. This is what I want you to do for me. This is what I need. And don't run from the hunger. Don't run from that awareness. Embrace it and say, yeah, this is really what I need. And I'm standing before you empty in this area. I'm empty. I need your, I need you. And when you call out with that kind of spirit and you say, I really want you and I need you and I admit it. He is drawn to humility. He recognizes a humble spirit in need and he rushes in to fill that. He is drawn to humility. He exalts humility. And when you're self-sufficient, he comes against you to bring you to a place where you won't be so self-sufficient. Is this making any sense at all? There isn't one of us in this, there is not one of us, John, Mark, me, leadership included, there's not one of us here today that doesn't have some area of deep need inside of us that we can say with integrity, God, I need more of you now. And you've got to do it. Because I can't manufacture it. Are you getting what I'm saying? You gotta get this. This is the key to the whole deal. This is what leads to the flood. This is what opens the come valve on. and everything starts to come in. Come spirit. It's spiritual hunger because you've seen yourself honestly and say, I have need, God, you must. God. I have need, God, yeah. you must. God gives grace to the humble. He That's resists right. the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace, Lord. Grace, grace, grace. So let's take a minute, just close our eyes. And let's just say, God, I want to be honest with you here. I really do. I need to. And maybe I'm not sure of what my area of need. Holy Spirit, show me my area of need right now. If I'm not seeing it, I think I am. But if I'm not seeing it, just reveal it to me. Not for the sake of punishment. It has nothing to do with that. Just because I, it, it's really what my what I need and I want more. And you're the answer. You are the answer. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you begin to reveal to us what is my personal area of real need where I'm not making it the way I want to make it. I'm not the person I pretend to be. I'm not the person I wish I was. These are the areas where I'm empty. These are the areas where I really, really need you. What is it?